glory to the Lord. We want to thank you for your giving. It's been an honor to be with people that help us to keep this ministry going. Uh, this, is, this is a different ministry than you're probably used to because I'm the president director of the Holy Church of God Incorporated. I'm, I'm, the, uh, I'm also the, the pastor evangelist. There's a pastor slash evangelist uh, that uh, we, are, uh, we are because of the outreach ministry. So I don't just go to other churches. Uh, I do if I'm invited. Uh, but not at the expense of not being uh, your minister here. Uh, but we, uh, we do that very rarely. But we go to other people on the website, which has been up and running for so many years, and now we have what they call a, a footprint on the web. And when there, there's millions of websites, when you get a footprint, that means they type in anything concerning you, and you don't have to scroll through 500 things to find that uh, somewhere down the line. If you type in THCOG, that's the, the letter's abbreviation for the Holy Church of God. You type in THCOG, bang, it'll say Holy Church of God. If you type in Pastor Robert Venable and get the Venable right, V-E-N-A-B-L-E, V is -E, in victory. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. If you type that in, guess what? Holy Church of God website's going to come up. And people have come from all over the world to our website and they continue to come from the north the south the east and the west when we came here we had the interpretation to a message and it was prophetic because it said i will bring them from the north the south the east and the west well we thought that we would have an overflow crowd within a year and we'd have to build a building we got the room to build it that can still occur but that's not the initial way that god fulfilled that prophecy Amen. That's not the initial way that he did it. Uh, I've had many witnesses and some through you that were highly anointed, not just someone trying to make me feel better that the best is yet to come. We're not winding down to the end of a ministry. God has something still for me to accomplish and, and us to accomplish together. So I thought people would just fill this building and we'd have to build a building to hold the people. Well, it didn't come from the north, south, east, and west of Tampa, churches all over Tampa, many places to go and worship with a whole lot of, you know, things to offer as far as other things that they can give. So we, we kind of thought about that. I remember Sean walking out one morning when, when the website was really starting to crank up and Doug was keeping a list of countries that people were coming from all over the world to our website. And he said, it's official. He just came around the corner and he said, it's official. We are now international ministry. And I thought, wow, that's, that's, inter this little church and this little, I don't mean just in stature, I mean we don't have television and, you know, this little preacher, we're international. People are hearing what we say here around the world. That's what international means. And, and I looked at all the hits and they were coming from Borneo. Said it on the radio when it talked about people coming from Borneo to our website. Borneo? What? Who's on a computer in Borneo listening? Somebody's online in Borneo. Amen. The only thing I know about Borneo is the wild man of Borneo and the little rascals. Yum, yum, eat them up, eat them up. You're probably too young to know about all of that. Amen. That's all I know about Borneo. I mean, places, Madagascar, South Africa, and the Yukon. Asia, Europe, 
places that I'd never heard, even towns in America that I'd never heard of in my life. Just, you know, I'd never heard of. And there's lists up there. If you look at hit lists, that's just some of the places to give you an idea of where people come from. And I begin to look at the globe and where the pins are in it, where people have come. And if they come one time, you just put a pin in that nation. You don't put a pin. Otherwise, you couldn't see the map for the pins. But, but they're coming from the north. They're coming from the south. They're coming from the east. And they're coming from the west. So that established not only president director of this ministry, but an evangelist through the media. And we're so grateful to have a media ministry that is reaching the nations. You know what Jesus said? He said, when this gospel, or the Bible said, when this gospel of the kingdom, of the kingdom of God, this is the lordship of Jesus, not just, you know, this free ticket to heaven stuff. It's a different gospel than that watered-down, polluted, perverted one. When this gospel of the what? Of the kingdom. Where, what is the kingdom? The rule and domain of a king. It means people that no longer serve the devil. They serve the living and true God. Can you say, man, this gospel saves. This gospel sanctifies. This gospel transforms. For if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And old things are passed away. And everything is new. Can you say, man, when this gospel... Hallelujah. Turning from light, turning from darkness to light, from Satan to God, from sin to Christ. When this gospel is preached into all the world. Come on. Then God said, I'm going to say, gentlemen, it's closing time. Can you say, man, he's going to come again. The end will come. Praise God. Jesus will come. Hallelujah. So we're part of that great company that is publishing the gospel to the nations of the world. There's over 1,300 sermons. And when I preached those sermons to small congregations, I thought, this is as far as it's going. No, no, God had something in mind for every one of those sermons down through all of those years and through all of those tears. Praise God. Hallelujah. God is good. Yes. Right. Cassettes, not, they, they went places we could never go. I got a call from Louisville, Kentucky, said, Pastor Venable, do you know that you are preaching in the jail system in Louisville? And I said, I had no, <laughs> had no idea that I was preaching in the jail system. They said, well, we, we have a jail ministry, but no one is really a preacher or teacher. But we just share Christ with people. But we have your cassettes. Where they got them, I don't know to this day, but I know they had them. And they said, we play a cassette of your Sunday morning service, and then we make the invitation. We share Christ and share testimony. And I thought, my Lord, in in Texas, somewhere out in Texas, a truck driver from Kentucky, uh, a a man, he was, their, their church had split and they had no minister. They were disheartened. They had a moral failure with the preacher, and the church had just give up. They were going to padlock the church because people were disgusted, disheartened, and disappointed. And a, a truck driver at a truck stop in Texas, someone gave him a paper sack and said, Here. He usually listened to country music all the way home and bluegrass music if he could find it from Kentucky. 
And he, he listened to 21 tapes driving from Texas to Kentucky. Amen. Probably listen to 15 the way I preach. Can you say it covers a lot of time? Amen. But, but he come home with those 21 tapes in that brown paper sack. Who gave him 21 tapes in Texas? How did 21 tapes get to Texas? Amen. He said, so they took the tapes because he rededicated his life to the Lord. He got mad at God and backslid over the situation, lost his confidence in people, and he, 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 got, he, he rededicated on the way home in that truck. Come home, and his wife had a back problem. She was in bed most of the day on, on heavy-duty pain medication, couldn't hardly get out and go nowhere, do anything. They, they began to invite people because of what happened to her husband, invite people over to their house that used to go to church there and said, come on over. They played those tapes. And they called me and said, do you know that you have been our pastor and our preacher uh, for the last eight weeks? And said, we have, we have had a revival here. And it wasn't me. It's because what we preach and teach is full of the word of God. Hallelujah. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And they listened to the word. They didn't know me or anything about my personality, but they heard the word and it was strong word. Praise God. And it was filled with faith and truth. <laughs> and she said, she said, and not only that, but one night when people were over to our house after a sermon, and I don't know what it was about, she said, but after the sermon, they gathered around my bed. They all laid hands on me, and God healed my back, and I'm not taking any more pain medication, and I can go anywhere I want and stay up all day long. And she said, and not only that, I thought, come on. Come on, tell me some more. Praise God. Amen. When you just preach and preach and preach and you go through periods where you don't see a lot of things as a result of it, Brother Taylor, and teach and teach. It's good to hear what the Lord does with His Word. Praise God. Hallelujah. And said it not only that, but the people have got encouraged. We prayed, and God sent us a wonderful pastor. We've unpadlocked the church. We're having great services on Sunday. And I thought, Lord, that's what you do when we are faithful to continue. Sometimes we'd have a, the balcony used there. Other times we'd come in and sometimes we had an orchestra. And sometimes it's my daddy on a guitar. That's all we had. Amen. But no matter what we had, we did our best for the Lord with what we had to do with. Praise God. And we never preached a little sermon like we were in a little ministry in a little church. I don't have any little sermons. Because I serve a big God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. He's a great and mighty God. And he's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. I uh, got a call from North Carolina, South Carolina. Because a man, we had videotapes made back then. And a, 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 and a, uh, a man's sister who came to our church, lived in South Carolina, wanted to minister in nursing homes. She sent him videotapes of our Sunday morning service. He told her, said, tell your pastor that he is ministering in nursing homes in South Carolina. The Sunday morning service, we take it to the nursing home. We put it in a TV, VCR back then, and we play it. And, that, and then we talk to the people about Jesus, and we 
lead people that want Christ to the Lord. But tell your pastor your Sunday morning service is being preached in nursing homes in South Carolina. And I thought, Lord, Lord, Lord. You're, you're so wonderful. Amen. We sent those cassette tapes. We got on radio. I don't know why God wanted me to do it, but the door opened in South Carolina to get on a small radio station years ago. We got on that station. We were on it for about 12 weeks. We had no response at all from anybody, and so we canceled it because we didn't want to invest in something that wasn't, you know, it was costing money. It wouldn't be fruitful. We got a, we got a call. I got a call from Charlotte, North Carolina, when the station is so far away, you can only get it in Charlotte on a day when there's no atmospheric problems, when the atmospheric conditions are right, the gospel would go. And a lady heard a message. She said, I was, I was, I was, I listened to a message on slaying your giants. Slaying your giants. No, I didn't qualify what that giant was. Everybody knows what the giant in their life is. The thing that seems like you can't overcome in your life. She said, I, I have been lesbian all of my life. I wanted to come to Christ. I seen that, that in the scripture that, that I needed to change and I couldn't change myself. But she said, I was sitting at a red light in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, by the way, the reason she heard that message, after we went off the air, the radio station, when God gives you favor, things really begin to happen. The radio station called me and said, Pastor, we know you're not on the air here anymore, but we saved every one of the master tapes you sent us. And we still have a space open that no one has bought, and we like the quality of your ministry. Would you give us permission to run those tapes that you made again for free until we fill this slot. Now, I'll really have to pray and fast. No, no, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Can you say amen? And it wasn't during the time we were paying for it with no response. It was the time they gave it to us because God knew who would be tuned in. God knew what they would hear. And again, it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Hallelujah. She listened to the Word at a red light. No one talked about a particular kind of sin or problem. We just talked about no matter what your problem or sin is. No matter what your giant is. Praise God. Hallelujah. She said, I prayed and said, Lord, I believe right here, right now in this moment, that you can deliver me. She said before the light turned green. God must have held that red light a long time. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Must have malfunctioned long enough for her to pray for deliverance. She said I prayed the sinner's prayer and prayed for deliverance. Amen. And she said and God saved me. And from that day to this he has changed me from the inside out. Hallelujah. Thank you for preaching the word of God. And I said Lord... What goes out of here, what comes in here doesn't stay in here. It goes somewhere. Psalm 107 and verse 20, he sent. He sent. I couldn't do that. I couldn't make any of this happen. But he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. I got a call from, from Indianapolis, Indiana years ago. Indianapolis, Indiana. Pastor who was get ready to resign from the church of God. It was his organization. 
He said, I was so, so many things have occurred in my life, so many seemingly unanswered prayers and events. If I can't trust God, then I can't preach the gospel. And said, I heard your testimony. You know where it was? Tom Young drove me to Polk City. And they taped the service in Polk City. I've never been back to Polk City since then. It's between, after you leave Lakeland, you turn off to go to Polk City. Little church in Polk City. And I gave my testimony along with the ministry of going through nervous exhaustion and and how I questioned God and how God was faithful and merciful. Hallelujah. And never let go of me. And that tape somehow got to Indianapolis, Indiana. Who sent it? We sure didn't. Amen. But he got it. He said, I heard that tape. And I seen how God brought you through. And he said, I want you to know how much I appreciate that. He said, I've taken courage in my heart. I've rededicated my life to the Lord. I'm not going to quit preaching the gospel. And if it's any consolation, Brother Venable, through your pain, I have been healed. Can you say amen? In other words, God took you through. It gave me courage to go through. Can you say amen? Comfort one another. With the same comfort wherein ye are comforted of God. If you're going through a situation, God's going to take you through it. And when you get through it, and you will get through it, He's going to use your testimony to somebody that's going through it. Can you say amen? And somebody give Him praise in this place. Hallelujah. God can use it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hallelujah. And it's not if you go through the fire, it's when you go through the fire. It won't kindle on you. Why? Because I am with you. I'm keeping my covenant. I'm keeping my promise. It's not if you go through the floods. It's when you go through them. Can you? They will not overflow thee for one reason. Because I am with thee. He reiterates it. If I'm with you to take you through, don't be afraid of the flood. Don't be afraid of the flame. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord who is with you will raise up a standard against him. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 There's victory in Jesus today. In the midst of the flood, in the midst of the fire. The reason Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow and they didn't burn is one reason. There was a fourth man in the fire. There was somebody in there. Before they threw them in there, he was waiting for them. And the fire, the fire did not kindle. Come on, listen. The Bible said when they came out, and they did come out, their hair was not singed. And neither was the smell of smoke on them. (laughs) You know what the king did? He reversed his edict. Because he said, you worship this God that we have created, that we have set before you. When you hear the sound of the sackbut and the psaltery, bow to this God. They wouldn't bend and they wouldn't bow. So they threw him in to punish him for disobedience to that king and, and disloyalty to the God he had set up. But he changed his edict when he saw that they, did, they were not burned in the fire. Neither was the smell of smoke on them. It did not kindle upon them. And he said, listen, we're going Gonna, we're going to make a new edict. When you hear the sound of the sackbut and the psaltery, I don't know what a sackbut is, but whatever it was, they played it back then. Can you say, man? When you hear all these instruments playing, sackbut doesn't sound very nice anyway. Amen. They played the thing. Can you say, man? And the psaltery and the harp and the trumpets. 
You bow to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because he is the true and the living God. Hallelujah. 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 There's victory in Jesus today. Even in the fire and in the flood, there's victory in Jesus today. And sometimes through our pain and our pressure that God gives us grace sufficient and brings us through. He's going to use us when we come through and we will come through. And He's going to use our testimony. And it's going to help somebody somewhere who is going through that very, very thing. So take courage. Think it not strange the fiery trial that has come to try you if some strange thing has happened unto you. It's not strange. It's not unusual. It is, it is the norm for the covenant people. But God said, I will never leave you. Christ promised it. I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. If you're in the fire, look for the fourth man. Can you say, man, hallelujah, hallelujah. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that, that you are able to bear. Not in yourself. You know your limits. When He grants sufficient grace, you can bear a lot more than you ever dreamed you could bear. You can testify to that. Can I get a witness, John? Hallelujah. You can take a lot more than you think you can take if you're the recipient of His sufficient grace. Can you say amen? For we are sufficient in His sufficiency. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 Think it not strange the fiery trial that has come to try you as some strange thing has happened unto you, but God, it didn't say initially, but be faithful. The reason you can be faithful and keep your trust is because of His faithfulness to you when you're going through it. So it doesn't start out with putting the onus on you. Putting the responsibility on you. He takes the initial responsibility for you. When you go through the fire, it won't kindle why? Because I am with you in that. What you couldn't do in yourself, you can do with His help, His presence, His person with you. Can you say man? Hallelujah. So he says, think it not strange the fiery trial that has come to try you as some strange thing has happened unto you. But here's the focus you need to have in the fire and in the flood. But God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted above that that you are able to bear. Oh, by the way, don't think of yourself and your limits. It's what he enables you to bear by his grace. And His strength. Never told you to be strong in yourself. It told you to be strong in the Lord. And the power of His might. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. The first step in putting on spiritual armor is quit trying to be strong in yourself. Hallelujah. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. But we don't argue against flesh and blood. So none of your, none of your earthly faculties, none of your flesh uh, faculties are any good in that battle. The weapons are, listen, though we were in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 
So these weakened Christians that have been beaten down by trials and tests and burdened down are the very people who qualify for the sufficient grace and the strength of God. Hallelujah. And God's going to raise an army up. But it's not going to be out of people recruited because of their expertise, their ingenuity, their strength. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his strength. Let not the rich man glory in his wealth. But he that glory, let him glory in this, that he knows and understands me, saith God. That's an old covenant scripture from the Old Testament. Amen. Hallelujah. Blessed is he who knows and understands me, saith God. They that do know their God will be strong and they will do exploits. Can you say amen? That I am the Lord that executes righteousness and judgment and mercy in all of the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. God will see you through. God will take you through. I don't know if I've got anything left to preach. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's receive the offering and see. Hallelujah. 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 I think I preached a pretty good sermon already. Let's just praise Him for it. Let's just thank Him for it. I want to read real quick. It's almost 12 o'clock, but I want to read real quick from the book of Deuteronomy where we stopped last week. I want to, we paused last week. I want to take the pause button off and just let it go from where we paused forward this week. Deuteronomy is a wonderful book if you make the right choice because it tells you that you will make a choice. God gave you something wonderful when he gave you a free will. He didn't wind you up like a robot and set you off to serve him. He gave a choice. Amen. Man wouldn't be a free moral agent if he hadn't given him a choice. Angels have a choice. You would think in the presence of a holy God, they would make the right choice. But one, Satan was so convincing, beguiling, seductive, Satan-inspired, according to the book of Revelation, one-third of the angels in heaven fell when he fell. That means one-third of the angels were convinced by Satan to follow him in rebellion against God who created them. They had perfect light. That's why their sentence of judgment is so severe. We don't sin in perfect light. We sin in a world that is cloaked in darkness. And we have to come... We are translated out of the powers of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. But they sinned with perfect knowledge and perfect light. They knew what they were doing and they did it anyway. The Bible uses uh, different language in the book of Revelation. It said, I saw the great dragon cast down out of heaven. And with his tail, he drew a third part of the stars of heaven with him. Just about 100% of all Bible scholars will say this was the fall of Satan. Jesus put it this way, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And it talks about the angels that fell with him, the angels that sinned. Not just the ones that sinned when they came down to the earth and, and uh, had uh, unauthorized relations with humans, but the angels that sinned initially. The angels that sinned. 
kept not their first estate estate that doesn't mean that they just didn't get to say stay in heaven it meant that they in their celestial bodies lost that celestial body the reason they couldn't have relations with humans anymore they didn't have a celestial body that could manifest as a human body are you listening to me the angels that sinned were held by everlasting chains of darkness remember when the unclean spirit not an angel comes out of a man where does he go he goes into dry places that word dry means deep darkness murky darkness it's not arid it's not talking about lack of moisture it's talking about deep murky darkness And that's why they seek a human host, because there's no expression, no way to feel or express their desires in that darkness, that place where they have no celestial body to express with, and they seek a human host. Now, God created the waster to destroy, it says in one place in Scripture. It's not talking about the devil being created to destroy. No, he was created to glorify God. He was that anointed Cherub that ministered in the midst of the, uh, the, the, in the uh, coals, in the presence of God. The very coals that Isaiah saw the seraphim ministering in. His name Lucifer is not a, not a bad name before he fell and, and, and sinned by reason of his beauty. He was called light bearer. And as we have said before, you, you might find a pit bull named Lucifer. Or a Rottweiler. But you won't find anybody naming their kids Lucifer because it connotates evil and wickedness. But the name Lucifer really is light bearer. And that's why it's so dangerous deception. He's good at deceiving because he's been the light bearer. And no marvel then if the light bearer, after he's cast out, still imitates what he used to be. No marvel if Satan himself be manifest as what? What he was before he fell. An angel of light, light bearer, Lucifer. But the Bible said by reason of his beauty, he was lifted up. Someone said one time, pride is the sin that made a devil out of an angel. And if it's that dangerous to an angel, a high-ranking angel, we should take it very, very seriously. Amen. The first thing about the mind of Christ is not some somebody getting visions and having dreams. And I believe in all of that to a degree. But I believe there's too many people claiming too much. And people are getting away from what is written in the Word and the understanding and just having prophecies and words given. A lady used to call me to get a... Uh, because one time I prayed for her and there were tongues and interpretation to her. After that happened, she wanted tongues and interpretation. And when she called me, the tongues didn't come. The interpretation didn't come. I pointed her to Scripture. I could only give her Scripture. God wants you grounded in Scripture, not in tongues and interpretation. Because even if an angel appears as an angel of light and brings what? Another gospel. Let him be anathema, which means a curse. The strongest judgment of God is against those who bring a message that will turn people from Christ and truth to error and, de- and destruction. 
And so the Bible said also that if you see someone doing that and you bid them Godspeed in the name of love, God bless you. No, God do not bless you in that kind of sin that's going to damn souls to hell. Can you say, man, we can't do that. We mustn't do that. Listen to me carefully. It's real important that we understand our adversary and we understand equally our armor. And we understand where that armor is utilized. It's vital to our victory today. He drew a third part of the stars of heaven down with him, the Scriptures declare. So angels that sinned, some believe it was the sin in Genesis where the sons of God went into the daughters of men and a mutated race came forth. And there were giants in the land and there were men of renown it's, you know, you can, be, you can be renowned, which means known all over the place for some, some act or some achievement or whatever. Usually it's positive. If someone is a world-renowned scholar, then they're a Rhodes Scholar probably. They've achieved some of the highest achievements in academia. But if you're renowned like Hitler was, you're not famous, you're infamous. One thing is for sure, the giants that inhabited those lands in that day were men of renown. You couldn't miss them because they were taller, bigger, stronger than any mortal man. I don't believe David's giant was just a big man because a big man alone, uh, if enough little men with swords get at him, little men with bows and arrows get at him, he's still coming down. Amen. Amen. They found that out when a 13-year-old with an AK-47 in Vietnam began full automatic on a, on a guy that had worked out at, at, at the Marine Corps and become a big, strong, husky guy. Honey, the bullets flying out of the front of that AK-47 don't care how much muscle tissue you have. Amen. It's going to tear right on through it. Remember the, remember the movie Commando that Arnold Schwarzenegger was in? He held a machine gun right down here at his hip, flexed his pecs. Can you say, man? <laughs> and there was about 30 guys with AK-47s firing at him. Not one bullet even grazed him. They bullet saw them muscles and said, I can't, I can't go through that. I can't go through that. No, no. And he's sitting there with a the machine gun. And there's 30 people with AK-47s shooting at him. And he's standing out there flexing his pecs. <laughs> with his trigger on full automatic. Number one, full automatic is not very accurate at a distance. And number two, all them people with AK-47s, they don't have to be very accurate. But of course, he killed all of them and he didn't get a scratch. Reminds me of the Superman that we bought in two years ago. They're getting better at the CGI and all that stuff now. Remember Superman? Remember the guy that played him in black and white television? George Reeves played Superman. And, you know, even as a kid, I begin, to, I begin to question. Because Superman came into a room, and a guy jumped on him. He grabbed him, threw him against the wall, knocked him out. Another guy pulled a gun and shot it six times. Until it went click, 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 click. Superman stood there and stuck his chest out, and every bullet bounced off of him. The guy ran out of bullets, and he's frustrated. Guess what he does? He throws the gun at Superman. Guess what Superman does, who just got shot six times and didn't phase him? When he threw the gun at him, he went, 
<laughs> I thought if Superman can get shot six times and it not hurt him, why does he duck when they throw the gun at him? He's a man of steel. Things that make you stop and think. Listen, there is an armor that you can stand with. There is an armor that you and I can take. And we're told to take the whole armor of God. To take it. To put it on. It's, a, it's, a, it's an armor that is God's armor. Remember David when he went out to face this giant? I believe this man was demonized. I do not believe this man was simply a big man alone. I believe he was demon possessed. And because he was demon possessed, there was a power there. That See, these were two powers in conflict. This was the power of the enemy and the power of God on that battlefield that day. This was not just about military might and, and who had, the, had, the, had the, best, uh, uh, the best fighting ability. This was about spirits and warfare in the heavens. And David had learned something about the anointing. Can you say, man? When he was keeping the sheep after he was anointed to be king, he still remained a shepherd boy. And keeping the sheep, a bear came to kill one of the sheep. And the Spirit of the Lord came on David just like it did on Samson. And he killed the bear. And a lion came and tried to take one of the sheep and he killed the lion. So when they told him about this big, unbeatable man, this Philistine giant, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He's outside the covenant. He's saying he has, we have the covenant with God that guarantees our victory if we trust God. There's a spiritual thing. There's a faith thing going on here. Can you say, man? I know my covenant standing, David said. I know my covenant rights. That's what he was saying. He is uncircumcised. Our circumcision is a sign that we are men of the covenant. God has made a covenant with Abraham and passed it down to us. And we have a covenant that guarantees victory if we are threatened. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. So who is this what? This person who has no covenant. Hallelujah. God is for us. The enemy is for him. Guess who's going to win on this battlefield today? David knew it. He knew it before the fight started. To everybody else, the giant was too big to hit. To David, the giant was too big to miss. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. There's more going on here than a man-to-man battle. This was a spiritual thing that was occurring. A demonized man with all the powers of hell behind him. And a shepherd boy with a covenant with God. I said a shepherd boy that had a covenant with God. And an anointing from God. I'll tell you something. You have a covenant with God. A better covenant? The New Testament said a better covenant. Established on better promises. For the blood of Jesus speaks of better things than the blood of bulls and goats. Can you say man? That's why Paul looked out at people just like us and said you are more than conquerors through him that died for you. Wow. So David, 
entered into this battle. The Bible said there were men of renown. They were known. Goliath was known throughout the whole region. There were men of renown before the flood. And God saw that the wickedness of man was so great upon the earth that he repented. He said, if I had known they would make these kind... Listen, it's all about choices. If I had known he would make these kind of choices and make this kind of mess because of it, I wouldn't have created him. But I created him. And I gave, made him a free moral agent and said, look at this garden. Look at the beauty. Look at the peace, the pleasure you have with everything. But there is, if, listen, if you don't have a choice, free will means nothing. You've got to have a choice for free will to be meaningful. You can eat of every tree that I plant. It's all good except for one that tree the tree of life when you eat of that you surely die thou shalt not eat of that tree what did the enemy do or eat of that tree I don't know if it's the tree of life we think it's an apple tree tree of knowledge of good and evil when you eat of that tree that tree because an angel eventually the tree of life he guarded it because eternal life in the physical mortal sense was lost Spiritual death entered. When it said he created the waster to destroy, let me get back and touch that real. We'll have to get in a Bible. We're going to have to have a Bible study soon in these deeper things. And just take it from the Scripture. Fully. Completely. Because if... People have told me, well, he created the evil that's in the world. He created the waster. No, we're talking about the locusts and the plagues that came when judgments came on the land. That's why he said, I'll restore to you the years that the canker worm, palmer worm, caterpillar, and locust have eaten. And he used the, the devastation of their crops when they were disobedient as a punishment to them. But he did not create the devil to hurt, harm, damn and destroy anybody how do you know brother venable because god cannot be tempted with evil neither tempteth he any man not even through satan can you say man hallelujah god's committed to your victory not your harm your hurt your deception and your defeat amen but every man is tempted when he's led away of his own lust and enticed Lust conceived, if we entertain it, we don't begin to say no, we don't begin to ask God for help to defeat. Lust conceived brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, as it did in the garden, bringeth forth death. So, demons were not created by God. Because he didn't create. He created angels. But angels held not their first estate. That's why I believe it's far more than just not being able to stay in heaven with him. But reserved unto hell. 
it means because they're not in hell yet, but they're reserved into before even the bottomless pit occurs. They are reserved in chains of darkness. And when the unclean spirit went out of a man, he walks through dry places. The word dry in the Greek means murky darkness. It's a darkness you can feel. It's beyond turning the lights out in this building. There would be some sunlight coming through. There'd be a shadow. There'd be something. I went to Cudjo's Cave in Kentucky when I visited there. I went twice. It's, it's not real nice like some of the caves that they have really, you know, fixed up for tourists. There was just this wire running down these corridors of the cave, and, and they had these 60-watt bulbs every so often. No, no light shining on the, on the beauty of the cave. Just, and you could walk deep into the cave with a guide. Well, I could tell he really enjoyed what he was about to do. Because most people think they've seen the dark. But when there's not just no light, there's, it's, it's the absence. There's a sense. I, I, no wonder people would go insane before they starve to death. Amen. Just insane. He turned off all. The, he said, I'm going to turn off all the lights. Don't anybody move. And he turned off all the lights. And he began to talk about what real dark is. When you're back under a mountain and there's no light source anywhere and all the lights are out. And I thought, I hope he doesn't want to rob us. Because I will not only give him my wallet and my credit cards and any cash I have, I will write him a check. Can you see? I, 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 remember Minnie Pearl? Minnie Pearl said one time, I, it was just a story. She said one time a guy came and he, he said, woman, give me that purse. I gave him the purse because he had a gun on me. He went through my purse and she said, I was flat broke. <laughs> and he said, woman, you ain't got no money in your purse. He said, stick your hands up. She said, I put my hands up and he frisked me to see if I had any money hit on me. And I didn't have any money hit on me. He said, woman, you ain't got no money in your purse and you ain't got no money on your person? She said, no, but if you do that again, I'll write you a check. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That <laughs> Minnie Pearl was always looking for a boyfriend. <laughs> you probably wouldn't understand. Okay, I... <laughs> oh, yes, you do. Don't look at me so pious this morning. It's good enough for Nashville. It's good enough for Florida, I reckon. Maybe I shouldn't. Have. I'm pushing the limits. <laughs> Pray for me. I'm pushing the limit this morning. I want you to know there's victory in Jesus. I want you to know that fallen angels are no match for Jesus and the angels of the Lord. He's called the captain of the Lord's host, the commander-in-chief of heaven's armies. And that's why when he comes back, he's not coming on a donkey. He's not coming on a mule. He's not coming on the foal of an ass. He's coming on a white horse which symbolizes the victor and the spoils go to the victor. There is a name written on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And there's not a demon in hell that doubts his power and his absolute unquestioned authority. Can you say, man? That's why the demoniac of the Gadarenes, who was also demon 
demonized. He wasn't that big, but he was that strong. They chained him, and he broke the chain. The demons within him gave him supernatural strength to break the physical chains. Until Jesus came. Nothing could restrain him. He took off all his clothes and ran naked among the rocks and cut himself and felt no pain until Jesus came along. And Jesus didn't have to utter one word. There was an immediate recognition of who he was and his absolute power and unquestioned authority. And the demoniac that nobody could chain or hold, the demon began to speak out of him. And Jesus finally spoke and said, what is your name? Oh, by the way, you know what they said when he walked up? We know who you are. You better believe they know who he is. And that's why there's authority in his name, vested in his name. Amen. And those authorized to use it are you and me. Can you say amen? I said there's power in the name of Jesus. I don't know if that's on here or not. Do you have that? There's power in the name of Jesus or you can cue it. We better get ready for it then because God's raising an army up. Listen to me carefully. He's going to raise an army up. You know why he wants to, the devil wants to stop that little prayer wheel from turning? To tell you that you've got to have such great faith and you've got to stand on that mountaintop to get God to listen because he knows the power of it. He knows the power of Jesus' name. Whatever you ask the Father in, on a mountaintop of great faith. No, whatever you ask in my name. Hallelujah. Amen. David said, you come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Can you say amen? There's power in the name of Jesus today. Glory be to God. Now this way I believe this is is coming down. I, I do believe there was some kind of particular, peculiar judgment pre-flood. But I also believe that there was a judgment on the angels that followed Satan in rebellion. And I believe part of that is what is spoken in the New Testament when it said angels held not their first estate. The Bible goes on into the New Testament talking about bodies, different kind of bodies, spiritual bodies. And clearly, these angels of the Lord could manifest as just young men. They went down into Sodom. And they didn't see any angelic being. They didn't see someone's wings and a halo or some big sword drawn, some spiritual being. They saw just young men. So the Bible said in the New Testament, angels can take a form. Angels that have kept their first estate and are still obedient to God, doing His will and purpose, they can take a form. So be careful to entertain strangers. Someone may come along someday, and they may help you fix your tire when you're broke down. And you may think, just by the look of them, they're just some guy with great compassion and a big old heart. You might give him $10 for his trouble. And you may have encountered an angel and not realized it. Amen? Be careful to entertain strangers, for in so doing, some have entertained angels unaware. 
You hear stories all the time. They never have wings. They never have halos. They never are some supernatural being. Somebody's in a car wreck, and, and before anybody can get to them, it's on fire. Somebody shows up and pulls them out. The first thing they want to do is find out who it was and thank them. And they, they what somebody, and then they ask all the witnesses, said, what somebody are you talking about? I said, well, there was this young man grabbed me by the collar and yanked me out. I, I sure would like to find him and thank you. Sometimes there is a man or a woman that does that. But there's times when there's nobody. They're just gone. Angels can manifest in a physical form. Hello? But demons can't. Demons can't. No, there's no, there's no, there's ne- no they, they have been divested of their celestial body and therefore their ability to manifest themselves. So that's why they are in that place where they can't feel, they can't experience. And what are they looking for? They go through dry places looking for rest and they find none. And they come back to the one that has been cleansed from their presence and if they find it stripped and garnished but empty see it's not enough to get somebody delivered from the devil we need to get them filled with the spirit we need to get them full of christ can you say man it's not enough just to pray prayers of deliverance over people we need to lead them to christ hallelujah amen it's christ in you i'm going to tell you something it's christ is in you the devil's He's got a no vacancy sign hanging over the door of your life. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. But a spirit without a celestial body can go into a human host. And when they get one, they hang on for dear life. Because before the demon came out, that Jesus said, what is your name? By the way, you find the division in the church. You don't find it in the kingdom of darkness. There is complete unity, and that's why there's so much power in that area. Oh, you find people fussing, dividing. Something the Lord hates. Six things the Lord doth hate. And the seventh is an abomination to Him. You know what number one is? Pride. You know what number seven is? He that sows discord among the brethren. He that sows discord among the brethren. Amen. Because Satan's design and desires to divide and conquer. But if two of you come together in agreement. Hallelujah. And two of you shall agree. It means to harmonize. As touching anything they shall ask, it will be given. God knows the power. Satan knows the power in it. And he knows if we ever get on the same page, one mind and one accord, and pray in faith together, amen, hell can't hold out against God's answers to prayer. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So if you're sowing discord among brethren, you're taking the devil's part, you're taking his side, and you're being used of him. Stop it. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that that is good to edify. And if it doesn't build up, remember the old saying, the old adage, if you can't say something good, if you can't say something good, if you can't say something good, if it's not good for edifying, zip it. 
Can you say amen? For the tongue is an unruly evil. Set on fire of hell. That means the old flesh nature wants to get involved in that. The one that's supposed to be crucified and put to death. The abundance of the heart. The mouth speaketh. Listen to me carefully. Who can tame it? Well, you can't. I can't. But the Lord can. When I bow to Him. Hallelujah. When I let Him have His way. Can you say amen? You know why? That Listen, I got, I got eight messages going. Let's finish at least one of them so we can quit. Amen. Honestly. Honestly. Who can control it? It has to be God. And it has to be God through the Lordship of Jesus, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Tongue is like a rudder. The devil knows he can't defeat you. He wants you. He wants you to make the wrong choice. He wants you to speak fear instead of faith. He wants you to be negative instead of positive. He wants you to sow discord. He wants you to fall out with somebody. He wants you to try to hurt them and harm them, malign them, accuse them. He wants me to do it. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse that. Set on fire of hell, no man can tame it. Says like a rudder. Your words, therefore, it's like a rudder. Don't be like the woman that said, Pastor, I've talked about you. I've talked about everybody in this church. I've talked about everybody that's ever come to this church. I've done terrible wrong, and I want to put my tongue on the altar this morning. Pastor looked at a big, long altar and said, Ma'am, I just don't believe it's long enough. She had it bad. And there are people like that in every single church. And all of us, to some degree, have spoken out of frustration or disappointment in someone. And we need to stop. Because ships, huge ships, are turned in a direction by something that in relation to that huge ocean liner is minuscule. So don't think that these little things don't have big ramifications and big impact. Listen to me carefully. I want to get this right. I want to get it right. That waster to destroy is not the devil. God did not create the devil. He got into that by his own choice and decision. God did not send him to try to kill you. Amen. He does not use him to punish you. And the angels that followed him, they held not their first estate. But they're held right now to this day. And this is before the bottomless pit thing. This, right now, they are held in chains of darkness. But they're not in heaven anymore. They've come down with him. He can't manifest fully here. Until the Antichrist comes on the scene. When he comes on the scene, Satan himself will inhabit him. Fill him up. And that's why he will 
persuade so many people and sway them because the devil isn't going to let any lesser demon do that because this is the man he's going to use. And he knows this is my last opportunity to hurt and harm the object of God's love and to bring the curse upon this earth. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth during the tribulation. For Satan hath what? Come down to you. He's the prince of the power of the air. He has influence through spiritual wickedness in high places right now. But he's going to come down and inhabit a man. The Antichrist is going to be demon-possessed, not by any particular demon from hell, but Satan himself. And he will want to be like the Most High, just like he did when he fell from heaven. He will command worship of no other God. He will want worship for himself. And she has to be at work, so don't, don't worry about it. We're almost done anyway. So we got to understand what we're dealing with is not just a bigger man than a little man, and God anointed the little man to beat the bigger man. There is more going on, and there still is. This is a spiritual thing that is occurring. And God wants us to be aware. He wants us to be armored. And He wants us to be effective in spiritual warfare. One thing is for sure, you've got to make up your mind about playing footsie with the world. You've got to decide whether Bible study is important. You've got to decide where the worship of God occurs in your life. Does it take precedence over your pleasure? Because in the last days, the Bible said they will love pleasure more than they will love God. If you put pleasure before them, they will choose it over God every time. And these are churchy people, but they're not committed to Christ. And the world woos them and they follow along. Spiritual warfare, you better make up your mind where you stand and make up your mind to stand. And you can stand if you choose to because God's giving you His armor to stand with and stand in. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 I'll tell you, every time I preach on victory or healing, things come along to either get my body down or or, or drain my joy. <laughs> Amen. Something occurs. I know the enemy. He never lets up. One thing I'll give him credit for is his tenacity. Can you say, man? He never lets up. He will keep it up, amen, until Christ comes and the angel binds him and throws him into the pit. He's going to keep the pressure on, amen. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus said, I won't leave you comfortless. I won't leave you orphanous. I won't leave you down there by yourself to fend for yourself. I will give you another comforter. And that word means another just like myself. Can you say amen? And he shall be with you and he shall be in you and he shall abide with you forever. And he that is within you is greater than he that is in the world. There's victory in Jesus today. Can you say amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's say it again. There's victory in Jesus today. Hallelujah. I believe demons are fallen angels that have lost their celestial bodies or they could never inhabit a human being. And they can never impersonate a human being or manifest as human anymore. 
And I believe that, you know, we get people with doctor's degrees in theology. They don't know anything about spiritual warfare. They know nothing. Pastors who don't pray. You know, the average pastor, according to the Barna poll, you know how much the average, listen, the average pastor prays 15 minutes a week. Oh, what a warrior of God. What a warrior of God! I've got a Ph.D. in theology and I'm depending on my ability to articulate the truth of Scripture without entering into spiritual warfare. And you know what? The God of this world has blinded the minds of men lest they would see what we see and know what we know and do what we did when we came to Christ. So something has to happen more than just declaring Scripture. Here's what Paul said. Ephesians 6.10 We argue not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness and high places and the rulers of the darkness of this world, where therefore take ye the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Amen. Having done all, stand. And that it enumerates each piece of the armor from the belt and the sword and the helmet and the shoes and, and the shield. And the next verse says, when you get your armor on, and you're standing, praying, praying for me and for all saints. And that's where Satan fears. Let them put that armor on all they want. Let them name it. Let them claim it. Let them do whatever they want to do. But don't let them fall on their knees like Jesus did and call upon the name of the Lord and call people's names in intercession. Don't let them do that. Don't let them find the real secret of spiritual power. Hallelujah. Satan's great design is to keep you from praying. Not keep you from shouting, dancing, confessing, but praying. Praying with all prayer, every kind of prayer and supplication for me and for all saints. He said, get this armor on and pray. Hallelujah. Because when you pray, you enter into the arena of spiritual warfare. Hallelujah. That's why the adage is true. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on their knees. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every revival, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked way and seek my face, I will hear from heaven in spite of all the powers of hell. Hallelujah. And I will heal their land. There's where the power is. I was in Washington, D.C. years ago. At the Capitol Hilton Hotel with pastors from all over America. They had one from every state. It was a senator calling for pastors to call their people to pray because of the threat back then. This is during the Reagan era to America. Back then. And the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he's, he's in charge of a lot of the military strategies. You know what he told us? He said, we have the power and the authority and the responsibility to pray. Thank God for a man who knew God and was a man of prayer in that position. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know what he said? He used a, something we can all understand as we close today. 
He said that back then, in that day, the, it wasn't Vegas where the big fights took place in boxing. It was Madison Square Garden, New York City. He said, you can have a man who can beat anybody, who has the, the ability to take the belt away from the champion of the world and become the next heavyweight champion of the world. But he said, if you can't get him from the Bronx where he lives to Madison Square Garden on the night of the flight, he loses by default. Not because he couldn't win, but he couldn't get to the arena battle where he demonstrates that victory. Can you say man? I'm going to submit something to you today. I feel such a strong anointing on me right now. And it's to me too. That arena battle is the one the devil wants to keep you out of. And keep me out of. Can you say man? We put our armor on and we pray. You say brother Vimble I prayed and nothing happened. Oh that's where you're wrong. Something happened in the heavenlies. You didn't see it. It hasn't manifested yet. But something occurred in the heavenlies. Can you say man powers were released hallelujah that satan cannot come back oh hallelujah god is so absolutely committed to our prayers john in the book of revelation he sees golden vials the same kind of gold that the streets are paved with transparent gold so he sees vapors incense in corked vials and they're all before the throne of God himself and he asked the angel said what are these vials golden vials preserved and corked in the presence of God filled with incense the angel said these are the prayers of the saints you say brother Venable I feel like heaven is brass well, quit feeling like that. In fact, quit feeling at all. Because that's not the case. Can you say, man, his eyes are on the righteous. His ears are attentive. They are open to his cry. Can you say, man? Mike, the prayers of your grandmother before you came to Christ. Amen. They, they were right there. And they're still there. Every prayer that's ever been prayed by a saint of God, God said, I heard it. I'm gonna, I gave heed to it. If it's in my will, I'm going to bring it to pass in my time. But one thing is for sure, it reached him. It is in his presence. He is aware of it. Can you say, man? Every great revival has begun with a prayer meeting. It never became with a, some kind of program or rally. It, it began with a prayer meeting. It began with a prayer meeting. It began, it all comes out of a prayer meeting. And every great evangelist that saw souls coming to Jesus, they put on their armor. They got into their closet. Some of them had to go to the woods. They couldn't pray in a church or a cathedral because someone would interrupt their prayer. Because they prayed with groanings that men did not understand. And I believe some of them were praying in other tongues. And spiritual warfare was occurring. 
before the man ever walked into the pulpit, he had won that battle spiritually. And the God of this world blinding, the minds of men, those blinders fell off, and the simple gospel was preached. And that's why C.H. Spurgeon, known as the Prince of Preachers, who had a megachurch before megachurches came in way back in England, and every Sunday souls coming to Jesus. And he's preaching a simple salvation message most of the time. So preachers that knew they could preach as good or better than him used the same scriptures. They came to him inquisitive. What is the secret of your success in preaching the gospel and people responding? They came on a Saturday night, about 11 or 12 of them historically. And he said, let me show you the power plant of my church. It was cold in England that night. They went down in the basement, and there were several hundred of his parishioners calling on God for that morning service to be effective, pushing back the powers of darkness and hell so the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus would shine in their faces and in their minds. Spurgeon said, this is it. This is it. He said, well, can you sum it up? Because they wanted to write it down. Can you sum it up in a sentence? He said, you want to know the secret of my success? My people pray for me. Can you say, man, my people pray for me to be effective? And what did Paul say after he taught on the uh, enemy, the armor? And then he talked about the arena battle. He said, praying for, who, for me. And for, he said, I don't take credit in and of myself for the victories and the impact my gospel is having through me. He said, people are praying for me. Glory be to God. And God is granting victory after victory after victory after victory. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Do you have that? You didn't find it. There's an army raising up because there's power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. How many people feel just a little victorious today? How many people more feel more than a little victorious? <laughs> Hallelujah. How many believe that the greater one is in you right here and right now? How many have been challenged to go back to your prayer closet and lay hold on the horns of the altar and begin to call on God again and believe God is going to hear and God is going to answer today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You come at me the sword and spear. I come at you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. In my name, you will cast out devils. You will tread on serpents. You will lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. God hasn't changed His Word. God hasn't changed His mind. The church has decided since we can't attain to that, it's no longer relevant. And I say, oh yes it is. Hallelujah. Oh yes it is. Oh yes it is. Hallelujah. Let's just give Him praise today. How many still love Jesus in this room? Hallelujah. Let's stand for Him now like we never have in all of our life. Praise God. Praise God.